like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. This week, the pilot is in. Uh, she is here to fly us on our journey as we are going to be covering the last film on our small screen theme for the month of July 2020, which is 7500. Um, officially out 2019, but it's uh, a Amazon Prime original, right? My, I'm doing that right. Yes, it is Prime original. Um, had a brain fart for a second. Couldn't remember. Uh, stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We'll get into that film in a little while. Um, if you're new to the show, we like to start off with catching up, uh, talking about what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded, and then giving our full review of the film of the week. Um, plus, this episode we'll be announcing our theme for next month, which I'm pretty excited about. So, that said, Corey, how you doing? Uh, you know, actually, it's my... Uh... My four-day weekend. I felt like it was oh. never going to get here. And, you know, it is finally here. Uh, I'm taking off a couple extra days because it's my husband's birthday on Sunday. Oh. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I realize that because Bill does not have social media. <laughs> he doesn't. He's way cooler than me, guys. Um, it's the only way I, I know any dates of significance is it has to pop yeah. up on my Facebook. Um, Same. <laughs> But uh, especially, I didn't know what day it was. Um, I was getting ready to, to record, and I'm like, when did we record last week? I'm like, wait, I don't know what today's date is, so I can't frame of reference it. Um, but it's, it's the 24th, I guess. Yeah, of July. Everything. See, I have this weird kind of curse right now because in years past, this would be the second to last week of my summer vacation. And in years past... If suddenly my boss told me I get two more weeks of vacation, I would be ecstatic. And instead, I am anxious and stressed out because uh, two more weeks of vacation, um, one, where uh, I've not been on vacation, but I've not had a normal work environment since, what, March, which I'm sure is true for many of the listeners out there um, in, to some extent. But I've still been working as a teacher. Uh, just we had to go digital. And we still don't know what we're going to be doing in in a month uh, when the kids come back as of yet. Uh, we have plans in place, but all of those plans are always tentative right now. And I, I, I really do want to be back in the classroom, but I also want to be safe. Um, I don't want to get COVID. And uh, so I am, I'm in this weird kind of like ball of anxiety all the time. Um, which so are a lot of my other co- coworkers. I've, I've spoken more on the phone this week and I've spoken on the phone in like years uh, to people who I don't normally speak to on the phone um, because I, I have colleagues and stuff who are just needing reassurance or uh, checking in on me, uh, making sure that, you know, I'm, my anxiety is not over the top. Uh, I tend to over exaggerate a little um, with, with things, uh, not, not intentionally, but I'm a little hyperbolic. That's, you know, it's part of the, uh, the drama built into being a film enthusiast, I think um, to a degree. So I tend to uh, say, I'm like, oh, I'm freaking out, even if I'm like only a little bit freaking out, you know? So um, sometimes people overread that uh, because other people don't seem to do that as much as I do. But, um, 
you know, for me, it's like, well, I'm always freaking out. So it's not ever significant. I'm just stating a fact that I'm freaking out. Because uh, internally, I am. Um, but, you know, it's it's been like, it's been a weird kind of week. Because when the week started, I thought I had, you know, two weeks and then I'd be going back to work. And then I found out I had four weeks before I'm going to be kind of going back to work, but still not 100% sure what that will entail yet. Um, there should be some level of me being in my classroom, even if I am alone uh, in my classroom, but just to give some kind of sense of normalcy, unless that is also shut down for some reason. But that is the current plan. So I'm, I'm at least looking forward to that. Uh, part of what's really driving me crazy during all of this is the uh, lack of being able to go places. Again, I, I am a general I, I like to be home but when there's like nowhere to go it, it is it is stressful i don't know how you know you're you work from home anyways but i don't know i like i like being i like the idea of at least being able to go even if i don't go you know it's just like oh well, i could go but mm -hmm. i'm choosing not to versus like no there's An no option. choice we just yeah yes that's just i like options currently have very few because of you know, everything being what it is what i thought we were done with the pandemic i thought that was over oh if only I let's know go to the gyms let's go to the bars let's party and that's why we're where we are at um yeah uh one of my one of the local shops that i like i haven't actually gone into it since the pandemic happened did i interrupt you i'm so sorry no no not at all um you know like i've only been going to like two businesses and only because they're my two favorite businesses in Boise and they have very strict guidelines to get in and but I was watching Instagram stories and another shop that I really love that's locally owned <laughs> had to close because one of their employees tested positive for COVID and I'm just like I just I just really every week I'm gonna say I just really don't understand <laughs> every time we record because it's like it's a mandate now to wear a mask um in Boise it was a misdemeanor I don't know if they're still doing that or how that is going over but um I think that they made it like countywide but they were talking about education not you know charging people with stuff but we've been trying well not me because I have no credentials but people have been trying to educate people for months now on wearing masks and yeah I even mean, with you, oh, you can't convince you can't convince someone to do something if they don't believe there's a threat to be you know fighting and that's what's so so frustrating is um like i realistically i the people who are like saying this is no big deal and it's nothing to worry about i really wish we're right um, like I desperately wish those people were correct, but from what I have witnessed and what I have, you know, our, we have one of our local hospitals in our County is now, uh, they had to bring in like external beds. Like they have mm -hmm. like a temporary bedding area now. And like, that's, I, I just feel like people are, are only focusing on the death toll of COVID and not at all of the, the other elements that are happening. Like the fact that you can't get into a hospital right now is a big deal, especially if you have another life-threatening like illness. You may die of something that we haven't traditionally lost people from in a long time, because like like an appendicitis, not something that people often die if you go to the hospital when you're supposed to, right? 
like mm-hmm. complications arise but generally speaking if you have an appendicitis you're gonna be good you're gonna have surgery uh most hospitals are doing like the the robotic surgery which is super fast and, and you heal much quicker um and now if you can't get in because it's full of all of the covid patients what are you gonna do and that's i feel like people are just ignoring those details and like that's why you wear a mask not because even if you're thinking well even if i get it i probably will be asymptomatic you're statistically you're right most of us are probably going to get it and most of us will be asystematic but if you're not that's bad and then two what if you spread it to someone who isn't and it's just like those things i i don't get where the arguments that it's like the mask is so inconvenient or that it's it's oh i can't breathe that's ridiculous um i've been wearing i started wearing the mask like i think it was the second or third week of april they finally said like oh no any mask covering is a good idea and so i've been wearing masks pretty much the whole time and yeah no you can breathe fine like the only the the most inconvenient thing for me is when my glasses fog up which for me i i can get by without with like i am far uh, i'm nearsighted so i really only need my glasses to drive um like for the most part like i can't read signs in the grocery store from far away if i don't have my glasses on but no big deal right like i can get closer um as long as i'm six feet away from other people and i just man i just can't get it because like even last night a lot of stores in our area have have made it mandatory to wear masks um and i had to go get something real quick from a grocery store and i witnessed a person walk in without a mask but cover bring their like shirt up over their face and they're like like technically that should be acceptable realistically, right? Like, because a lot of the masks that we're wearing are not medical grade. They're just fabric with ear, like ear hoops on them. So technically speaking, covering your face with your shirt should do the same thing that a one ply mask would do anyways. But it was her behavior that bothered me because she was acting like she was, oh, look how smart I am. I'm outsmarting the system. And as soon as she got past, like, the entry, I saw the shirt come down off of her face. Not all the way down, just off of her face. And then she ends up checking out behind me, and I hear her kind of, like, laughing about the fact that she's not wearing a mask to the cashier as I walk away. And I'm just like, yeah, see, you're the problem. That you think it's cute and funny, and this is not a cute and funny situation. I feel like I just can't say what I'm thinking Probably not, and it's we've probably spent enough time on it. But we're, we're, <laughs> I just feel it's it's not affecting those people directly enough for them to care. Yeah, it, right, and it's it's the seatbelt law. Like, and again, I get some people don't wear their seatbelts despite it being a law in most, or at least in Florida. I don't know about every other state because I think it is a state law. But um, if you or in a car accident and you chose not to wear your seatbelt, most likely you're the only person who's going to be affected outside of obviously your family has to deal with you like being hurt or killed because you decided not to wear a seatbelt. But most likely you're choosing to not wear a seatbelt is not going to kill somebody else or potentially yeah. kill other people. Here it's the same idea. We're asking you to cover your face for protection, but also so you don't give it to someone else. Again, you may think you're healthy, but you could not be, especially if you've been wandering around not wearing a freaking mask. Because you're um, so smart. Which, you know, we don't know. And again, I maybe maybe they're right. Maybe it's a conspiracy to make us something. I don't understand how any of that's possible. Um, none of the conspiracy theories I've heard even remotely sound plausible. Because again, 
who benefits from a worldwide pandemic? Because again, it's not just us. It's not maybe, like it's just Florida. It's the world. Maybe, I mean, maybe all these investors of these mask companies are just trying to get really rich, John. I don't really know I, either. Well, it seems like now everybody's selling masks. So I don't know if that, it might have yeah. started that way, but now <laughs> everybody's selling saying. masks. Well, I'm sure someone has a theory and it's hard not to argue because people have capitalized on the mask thing. Um, but, you know, there there's so many companies doing it. Like I my, a good friend of mine has like five or six different designer masks from like different like name brand, like clothing companies. Oh. Um, Under Armour has a really good like uh, at, like a sports mask that's supposed to be like you can work out in the gym with it on. Oh, um, it's like 30 bucks for that one. And um you know, I don't know how good it truly is. I don't think it's N95 quality, but it's like designed like I think it's dry fit, so like you won't it won't get weighed down with sweat and things like that. And it they actually inc- like ask you for like not specific measurements, but like they have three or four different sizes because it's supposed to be like a snug fit. So you're supposed to like you know tape measure your face and like this is the diameter from my ear to my nose, so I need the medium or whatever. Oh, interesting. Um, so like, there's a lot of lot of companies have masks now. Um, you know, there's some really cool masks. I, I have four very cool ones from a company called Roosevelt's, uh, and that's it's R-S-V-L-T-S. Um, and they, they've been giving the mask away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping. And, of course, um, Roosevelt's is this really cool company. They're like, they're a designer company. Their shirts are not cheap. They're high quality, and they are limited print. So, like, when you get a shirt, you there's not going to be a billion of them out there. And um, – people have tr- gone into like trading the shirts and things like that because they are so popular and they are limited. The masks have been the same way. And so jerks have been bu- getting the $6 mask because you pay for shipping and then selling them on eBay for like 40 bucks. And so the company keeps reissuing the masks to try to like kill that secondary market. But they, they companies do that. Me too. This is why I keep using this company. I have four of their masks. I have, I have, Two Back to the Future shirts, a Sandlot shirt, a um, and these are like button up, like dry fit shirts. They're like collar shirts, um, uh, a Ghostbuster shirt, and a uh, Rookie of the Year shirt. Um, all movie themed for me because you know movies. And then I have the four masks, and I'm I'm a big fan of the company. A coworker introduced me to them, um, and I, I they have so many cool masks, and I would love to have all of them. I have one of each. Uh, I have one. No, I don't. I have one of the first four. Um, and then they've done, I think 10 or 12 other designs and I haven't been able to get them and they have some cool stuff. They have like Ace Ventura stuff, Parks and Rec, SpongeBob. Parks like, and Rec? Oh yeah. They have some really cool Parks and Rec uh, merch. It, it's, they get, it's all legally licensed and stuff too. It's not like bootleg stuff. Um, nice. So it, like, well, they have the right to use it and the, the, the actual shirts are really high quality. The masks are great. I love the four masks that I have. I use them, um, the most out of the masks that I've gotten and, uh, you know, uh, it's I guess it's one of those things you make make it as fun as it can be like um, you know you have to wear a mask so why not have like a cool like I have a stepbrother's mask which if you follow me on Instagram you've seen um, that I got from Roosevelt's and uh, I just ordered um, I ran my first official 5k last Saturday with um, this company called Nerd Fitness uh, they're a online like like it's more of like a community than it would be a company, but like they do have things you can subscribe to, but a lot of their content's free and they did like a free 5k last week. And, um, after I completed it, I found out they had merchandise like with the logo for like 5k and things. So I had to get a shirt and then they had masks with the, the 5k logo. So I'm like, well, why not? So I got a mask too. They should be here soon. Um, yeah, because it was my first one and I, I would have preferred it to be like with actual people, you know, but it can't be 
for now. So yeah. Hopefully next That's year. Life Hopefully be. next year. Well, that was I, I like my it everywhere that you post about it. My year started um, <laughs> with Kathy suggesting that we do a the there's an annual 5K in the community called the Turkey Trot. Obviously oh, yeah. around Thanksgiving, and she was like, "We should do that." I'm like, "Okay, I guess." And I said it like, "I'll never be able to run five a 5K." Also, not knowing what a 5K was, I, I knew like five kilometers, but I didn't know how. How does that translate? Um, it's three point one miles, but uh, I am now. I run three five Ks. I actually am running four miles now. Um, on my run days, so oh, nice. like, uh, you know, like, but at the beginning of the year, I would have never thought that I could do it, and now I'm doing it three times a week. Um, as my exercise, and it's it's crazy. Uh, and I, to be fair, I would not have done that if COVID hadn't happened because I would I would probably be still trying on a treadmill, and I was always a little afraid of like pushing myself on a treadmill because I didn't want to be the guy who like falls in the gym and like skyrockets back. Um, so, you know, and I don't like being outside, but I've had no choice. And so I've gotten better about being outside. I'm also tan, which is weird. I haven't been tan in a long time, but uh, <laughs> um, I have like very severe tan lines uh, from yes. like if I, because of it, but uh, it's, it's different, but um, yeah. So, that's what we've been doing. Um, let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, you want to go first or second this week, Corey? I'll let you go first. Ooh, I've got some stuff. Um, all right. So, uh, since we last recorded, I have I have finished season four this morning of the Gilmore Girls. Um, so I'm four seasons in. I think there are seven seasons in the regular show, and then they had the reunion series on Netflix a little bit ago. Um, so I've got like three three and a half seasons left, or something like that. Um, Really like season four, even though uh, Rory has begun to annoy me. Um, I do like Lorelai, and Luke is my favorite. So is Rory the mom, or Rory's the daughter. Okay. Yeah, she, they they there's a couple of reasons. I don't want to get too into the show, but yeah, it it's it's not the best. Um, but I've had a busy movie week this week. Um, I did beat uh, Final Fantasy VII. I don't remember if I had beat that before we recorded last week or not. Um, but I started playing The Last of Us 2 because I beat Final Fantasy VII, and that game's great. It's also uh, frustrating at times, and I, I walked away from it earlier very frustrated um, because I died, and I wasn't happy about it. Um, I don't like redoing things. I also, I don't like when games make me kill animals that are like normal animals, like dogs. I don't, I <sighs> like... It, it's because they're like attack dogs, but it's at the same time, it's still a dog. And like some of them are cute in this game. And I was like, guys, guys, there's enough like stuff for me to do. You don't have to make me kill dogs. And it becomes where like I especially don't want to have to keep doing it. And you know, like if I die and I have to come back and try again, like I don't want to have to. It's it's not, I don't like it. I don't like that at all. Um, like I've struggled with other games because I'm not a hunter. Like I have, I'm not a vegetarian. I eat meat a lot, but I also like I and I accept where meat comes from, but I don't want to be the one to do it, and I don't want to see the meat before it's been processed. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to see it like looking at me, and um, and no judgment to those who hunt. That's good. For, I need someone to do it because I can't, and I do like meat. So, but like like Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption Two. Both hunting is an aspect of the game, and I do it, but I'm always uncomfortable when I'm doing it. So, like, this game, like, making me kill, like, regular dogs, I'm just like, no, 
no, guys, come on. Like, because even, like, Final Fantasy VII, there's, like, mutated dogs. Or Resident Evil, mutated dogs. Okay, at least I can look at them and go, oh, they're, they're zombie dogs, so it's okay. Like, regular dogs is oh. not something I should have to deal with in a video game, guys. I don't, I don't like it. Um, anyways, let's get to the movies I've been watching. So, um, I got to see uh, the, the new film from the director of The One Cut of the Dead, which is one of the most underrated zombie movies Mostly because people didn't know it existed, but it's um, a Japanese zombie film. It is on Shudder, and I cannot stress enough how great that movie is. But um, Shin Shinichiro Ueda, I think is the name. Uh, I got to see his new film, uh, Special Actors, at a virtual Japanese film festival, um, and it's great. It's I think I like One Cut more, but it's because One Cut's a zombie movie. This is not a zombie movie, but it's really cool. He has a really cool style. Um, definitely worth checking out when it's available. I don't know when it will get distribution, but um, it's worth looking into. Uh, I watched Old Boy, but not the original Korean one, which I'd already seen. I watched Spike Lee's take on Old Boy from 2013. Some bad acting in it. Uh, your favorite actress is in it, though, Corey Elizabeth Olsen. Um, <laughs> so obviously quality acting. Sorry. I like her. Corey doesn't. Um, she's nope. she's not at her best here, but she's not at her worst either. Um, but uh, this movie has a lot of Marvel characters because you get um, Josh Berlin in the lead, who's Thanos. You have Elizabeth Olsen, who's Scarlet Witch. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson's in it because it's a Spike Lee movie. He's in most of Spike Lee's movies. And yes, Nick Fury. And then um, there was one more person who's barely in the movie, but I was like, oh, there's another Marvel character. Um, and now keep in mind, as the rate we're going, that's not going to be that uncommon because there's just so many Marvel movies. Uh, it's statistically, oh, he's not in a Marvel movie. Well, Rami Malek's got like a really small part in it as well. So, yeah. oh, Pom Kalemantif, uh, who is uh, Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Infinity War. And she has a very small part in it, but she's in it. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not as good as the original by any means. It has the Spike Lee stuff in it, but um, that led me to watch Summer of Sam from 1999. That's another Spike Lee film. Uh, I, I just listened, I'm listening to a podcast called um, Truth Versus Hollywood, where they take a Hollywood movie and they go through the entire plot and they kind of point out what's real, what isn't. They have interviews with like reporters or uh, or the actual people, depending on the, the availability of the people. And they've done, um, so far, they've only done uh Three movies entirely so far. They did um, Goodfellas, uh, The Social Network, and Zodiac. And I was listening to the Zodiac episodes, and I was like, man, I really like the movie Zodiac. And I, I know Summer of Sam is a Spike Lee film about a, a real-life serial killer I'm kind of interested. I know nothing about. I'm going to I'm gonna watch it. So I, I went into it uh, knowing very little. It's it's very interesting. It's kind of more, uh, I said this to Matt, it's, it's very much like um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where it's not really about, uh, except he doesn't exaggerate the murders. It's not like a f alternate history, but it's also not following the murderer so much as it's following, I think, fictional characters who are living in uh, Brooklyn at the time of the killings. Um, and so I, I don't think the main characters you're following are based on actual people as much as it's like, what would it have been like to be alive in the city during the time when there was a serial killer lurking kind of thing uh so it's it's interesting um and i could be wrong i've i haven't had a chance to really dive into it anymore but just based on what i'm witnessing it doesn't seem like the killer is an ancillary part of the 
plot. It's not, we're not following the killer to like solve the crime. We're not even following the detectives who are solving the crime. Um, we are following a part that could be accurate where like there's a, like a, the mob is frustrated with the killer and they're looking for the killer themselves because he's messing with their business kind of thing. But um, not the killing business, but just like people are afraid. So they're not doing what they normally would do kind of thing. Um, it, I, I liked it though. I thought it was interesting. Uh, really good performance from John Leguizamo and um, a Adrian Brody, who I don't always like, but I, I, I kind of liked him in this movie. So, um, pick some, uh, yeah, interesting films. Sometimes I saw that Splice was trending on Netflix or something, and I'm like, that movie is terrible. <laughs> Why is it trending? Sorry. Yeah, I I didn't see that, but I never heard anything good about That's it. That's lucky. Okay, I can't say any details of the next movie, but I got to see the sequel to Train to Busan uh, called Peninsula. Oh. Um, I can't comment on it yet, but I did watch it. Um, I watched the movie that we're going to be talking about here momentarily, 7500. Um, another movie I can't talk about uh, yet, but it's a documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette um, that's coming oh out gosh. late August. Uh, it is quite interesting. Um it is about David Arquette's kind of wrestling comeback um, that started a couple of years ago. I don't know if you knew this about David Arquette or not. Um, I, I know you know who he is because you're a big Scream fan like myself. Um, and in like 1999 or 2000, the movie Ready to Rumble came out where he was a, uh, it's him and Stephen Baldwin, I think. Um, and they are, no, it's maybe it's not a Baldwin. I don't know. I like the movie a lot. Um, they're WCW fans and they're like WCW wrestlers appear in the movie and stuff. And they ended up cross promoting the movie by bringing David Arquette onto Nitro, which was the WCW program at the time. And after a couple of shows, they give him the world title. And it, it's widely believed that that decision to give him the world title ruins WCW like credibility. Like you gave, you literally just showed that wrestling is fake by giving it to David Arquette, right? Like, no way does this happen otherwise and while most people knew wrestling was fake there was that you know like you didn't talk about it you didn't look behind the curtain you accepted that the curtain was there and you just you watched it and you liked it um so this jumps ahead uh that happens like 2000 um he becomes kind of like a hated individual he didn't get a movie role for a long time i think bone tomahawk might have been one of his first movie roles after several years of not being cast in anything um, and so this documentary follows him looking to go into professional wrestling. Um, again, can't comment any details or anything like that. That's all stuff you could find out just by looking at Wikipedia or IMDb. But um, that is going to be out later in August. Um, I watched a movie that I think is called Most Wanted, but originally was called Target Number One. Um, and I can talk about this one. This one just came out this week on VOD, um, and it's a uh, based on a true uh, based on a true story of a Canadian reporter. Um, it's played by Josh, uh, Victor Malarik is played by Josh Hartnett, who I had not seen in a long time, but, um, was really impressed with him in this movie. I actually liked him a lot. I am a journalist, uh, by nature. It's something I'm always really passionate about. And so journalist movies tend to work for me. Not always. I've had a couple, I think even this year that didn't click with me, but I, I am always kind of going in optimistic. This one worked for me very much. Um, it also has Stephen McHattie, uh, which, Corey, you'll remember him from Pontypool. He's the the DJ in Pontypool. Um, and he's excellent uh, in this as well. Maybe not as excellent as he was in Pontypool. Jim Gaffigan, 
um, shows up in this movie uh, in a really interesting role for him, and I, I thought he did a really good job. But there's a, a new actor named Antoine Olivier, Oliver uh, Pillon. Um, I believe he's French-Canadian. Uh, he is terrific in this movie. It's, it, I really enjoyed it. Um, definitely think it's worth everyone's time. And lastly, the Netflix original and sequel to the other Netflix original, The Kissing Booth 2 came out today. It's so bad. It's two hours and ten minutes long, Corey. Dang! That is above my movie like threshold in general. And I am I am pretty sure I'm not exaggerating that there are eight different plot lines that are all Ooh. interwoven together in ways that make zero sense that they're all in the same movie and it feels so unnecessary and bad and I know people are gonna love this movie because they like the first one and I don't know why. Like I love rom coms. There is plenty of evidence to support my claim that I love them. Um, I This one barely qualifies as a rom-com. Um, and I don't know what... Uh, it's so bad. Um, I was I barely made it through, and I had to watch it because we are covering it for the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast um, next week. So uh, I know that normally, like this show, Matt and I don't discuss our thoughts on a movie beforehand, but we were both so frustrated... <laughs> That we were we were texting and making jokes um, afterwards, uh, but I, I know both of us were not fans, so it's probably going to be either a very long episode where we just vent, or it'll be a very short episode because we don't want to talk about it. So um, we'll see what happens. But that's what I've been watching. Sorry, that was a lot. But uh, what have you been watching, Corey? <laughs> I follow both of you guys, and <laughs> Matt already, I think, said something. Mm-hmm. his instagram stories <laughs> i was like well <laughs> um matt kills me i just live for you guys as uh photoshops but here we are <laughs> they're like my well, favorite thing on the internet <laughs> you know what not to, to take more time but um our next episode of astrology that's where we do those photoshops is uh for t- the year 2004 oh and i was looking at the the our spreadsheet that we do um where we have like the top 10 movies and then we do like other notable films of that year that year might be like i think 99 is like one of my favorite movie years but 2004 has so many movies that have had major impacts on my life in some way or another um a little teaser one of those movies led to me getting a tattoo that's on my arm so it's like i was looking at the list like oh man this episode is going to take so long to record because i have so many things i want to talk about (laughs) like there's just so many movies that i like I think 2004 might have been the year where I started looking at film in a, in a majorly different way um, because I just saw so many of the movies. Like it's, it's one of the rare years where I've seen so many before Burke reviews, like since 2016, I've seen, I see most big movies every year. Um, but I went for a long time where I wasn't. And that was like the end of my college. Like I graduated that year. I met Kathy that year. So like, it's, it's a Dang. huge year um, anyways. And then it's like, there's all these 2004. Yeah, 2004. Oh, we are old, man. I know, right? Um, yeah, the time. I mean, that's what Taylor is born in 2004. Uh, and Holy that's why macaroni. she's now. Um, I just, yeah. it's like I know, but I don't, like, think about it or, like, put it all together or think of it in the scheme mm-hmm. of things. And then it's just like, ah! Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward. We're going to try. Oh, we're not recording tomorrow, but we're going to be trying to record here uh soon and um that episode will be out not long after that we usually get it out within a week after we record it but 
uh, I am thinking it's going to be a long one. I'm looking forward to talking about all these movies. Though, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in 2004. There's a lot of bad stuff that I like in 2004 as well. But it's also the year Saw and The Grudge came out. Um, and because oh, that grudge. was for for me, that was like the first time I'd been into like horror where I was like, oh man, I can't believe I saw both of these in the theater. And they both like they felt different at the time. You know, Saw changes the the gore game a lot, and torture porn becomes a phrase. And then um, The Grudge was like bringing back the ghost story that we hadn't really had. Uh, I think the ring is before that though. You know, there's, I, that's crap. There's plenty of ghost stories, but you know, whatever. I liked the grudge when I saw it. At the time. Maybe I just hadn't seen, seen the ring yet or something like that. But, um, all right. What have okay. you been watching? Well, guys, I'm on my fifth uh, viewing of Parks and Rec. I'm in season three. And, um, I also finished the Netflix uh, limited series. I think I ended up watching the last. There are four episodes. I think I watched the three episodes of uh, Jeff- Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Um, I watched the 1979 uh, miniseries for Salem's Lot. And I guess that it's been a really long time since I've watched that movie because... I was kind of, well, I mean, I call it a movie because I view it as a movie. I never watched it as a multi-part, you know, m- you know, miniseries on television. I know that's what it technically is, but um, that they kept, they like kind of condensed the story because in the book, you like have the stories of all the townspeople and in the movie, they kind of like combine a couple of people, if that makes sense, like, uh different events or something that would happen to two or three different people they combine them into one person um probably to keep it you know a little neater and Mm -hmm. easier to follow but um instead of following around a bajillion people but um yeah and i was like doing a lot of reading about it because i really enjoy it but um apparently they did it was so successful on television that they cut it down to an hour and a half i guess and gave it a theatrical release which I thought was interesting. Huh. Yeah. And then um, also we were kind of talking about it. Oh, because I was wondering if we could get it, you know, if it was available digital. And he said that there's Return to Salem's Lot. So I had to yes. go watch that trailer and it looks pretty oh, okay. rotten. Um, and then also I found that they had remade the uh, miniseries in 2004, I believe, with Rob Lowe. Like, why did we even need that? We didn't. Um but yeah, and then I watched, I believe it's a Shutter original, The Beach House. Okay. It was all right. Um, I feel like, I feel like the horror community just like, if it's horror, they just love it. It doesn't mm. matter what it's about. I think or- that's true to some degree i think there is a a level of um fandom where they just if it's in the genre they're gonna back it i think that's true of all the genres um okay there's like a because again like like the kissing booth i when i wrote my review for the first one a couple years ago and i got i got a lot oh i got that's probably the most (laughs) i've had people like mad at me um i can't believe people get so upset 
Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, but I clearly like the genre. Like, I, you know, and in fact, that's my issue right now is I know a bunch of people are going to, like, rush to watch this sequel, and it's cruddy, and it's boring, and it's long. And then there's movies like um, the half of it, which is amazing, and it's, like, it's such a great film, and people aren't even going to take five seconds to watch it. And, man, uh, and poor Molly Ringwald got roped into doing both of the stupid Kissing Booth movies. She's barely used. It's, like, such a shame. Um yeah, uh, and Joey King, you know she's she's talented, but man, we thought I just, thought. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, she just keeps picking crud, and it's like I don't understand why because she is good. I mean, it's work, so maybe you know you, you got to take what you what you can get. You know, and there is a lot Word. of competition for teenage actresses, so you know. But it, to me, it's like, well, she's clearly got a talent and, you know, she's been in some really good movies, but she's been in a lot of crap lately. Um, and, you know, again, it, people like The Kissing Booth. Um, it's just like there's there's so many better movies. And in fact, I see a better movie in the movie. Like there's there's like <laughs> it just feels so chaotic and and like unfocused and. Even the name of the movie, it's like, it's such a secondary component to the film. Like, it's called Kissing Booth, and there is a kissing booth in both of the movies. Yes, in both of the movies, there's a kissing booth. And neither of them is it a really, like, a cert, a specific important moment happens in the first movie, at least, with the kissing booth. And then this one feels super manufactured, and it's like, yeah, we, we wanted to make a sequel, so we had to make sure the kissing booth was back, and we would have a dramatic, you know, a big climactic moment in it. And it's like, yeah, but it feels so generic and unearned because you just shoved it in there. Even when the character finally announces the kissing booth, it sounds like he's announcing the sequel to the movie because he says, "I think I typed the line down. Hang on." Um, because so I was just like, are you kidding? Like, they actually said that? Um, I think I typed it to Matt, in fact. Uh, hold on. I have to look at our chat log, because I'm pretty sure that's where I said it. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, um, I think he says, uh, nope, I don't know. He says something awful. It's just a bad line in the in the movie. I, sw- I swear I typed it, but I don't see it. So, um yeah, it's bad. It's real, real bad. But, you know, people are going to like it, and that's what makes me sad, because there's better things you could watch and love. Um, I just, I guess, like, with horror, like, there's, I don't know, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but I feel like, I don't know, there are, like, horror conventions, and there is, like, horror movie merchandise, and it's, like, a thing, and I don't really, I mean... The only other genre I can think of with that is like maybe superhero movies. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Um, Do you know what I mean? I mean, there aren't like romantic comedy conventions or like, I don't know. I don't know. I see your point. Yeah, there is the, the, we have one of the horror conventions comes here. Usually I can't, man, I can't believe I can't think of what it's called. I had one of my student who uh, who passed away from cystic fibrosis was active in that community. Mm. Man, I can't think of what it's called, but um, they 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 were actually I think they had upped it to where they were doing two a year here. Um, Dang. Um, man, I cannot think of what it's called, but yeah, it's a big horror festival. Uh, I I think there's a degree to that. Um, you know, there's there's an artistry to it, and 
even like the the bad horror, I can understand why you might take joy in elements of it. Um, and it's even like I think in some ways it's celebrating the passion for the genre in the movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like you know you you may not have a great story in mind, but you just want to do your your take on the genre, you know, and you want to do what you think it's missing or you whatever. And so I think there's that level of like admiration for like the fans was like, Oh, well they made something. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you and I have, we, everyone has different tastes on all these movies. I mean, like this month, uh, the rental came out, um, relic and there was one more horror film that I can't think of. Um, I, I, Okay, so like Big Tuna and I, uh, we agreed on the rental. Neither of us liked it. Um, it, it. It gets the third act is bad. I don't. It doesn't even feel like it's the same movie in the third act. Um, I, I really like Relic, uh, but I also it is, it is one of those films that it's, it could be construed as intelligent because it's very much a metaphor, but it's also like the metaphor is so blatant and obvious that it's like you could also just say. You know, it is there are the horror elements of the movie feel contrived because they exist to make it a horror movie, but it really doesn't always add to the actual story that's being told in Relic. Um, but I, I, I still enjoyed those components, and I did get I liked the metaphor despite that. Um, and then whatever, there's another one that I'm pretty sure I also saw, but uh, maybe not. Um, but. You know, and then, well, like, last month, I think it was The Wretched, and I really liked The Wretched. You did not, but um, Sean did. So, like, right there, like, those, because you were, you were lukewarm on Relic, right? I liked Relic. I didn't love it. I feel okay. like we just watched the, another movie that, you know what I mean? That yeah. seemed kind of similar. I don't want to necessarily say the name of the other movie because oh, i don't want to yeah, like, yeah, give yeah, it away yeah. you know yeah um but but i did like it and i like emily mortimer i don't like watch all of her movies but i have a soft spot in my heart for her from uh oh my god what's that movie is it dan in real life no 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 what's the name With of that Steve movie Carell and- no oh. damn it you know <laughs> With I my boy, do. with the real doll. Oh, Lars and the real girl. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's definitely I was like looking for it on my shelf. No, <laughs> I'm like reels in there somewhere. Sorry, guys. I love that movie and I love her in it. I think she's so charming. True. Well, so the beach house was how we got into that conversation. Is there? Was that the last thing you watched? Yeah, that that's it. Whew, because we are we've gone really long. Um, you should. <laughs> move into our movie of the week. Uh, but before we do that, we need to take a quick break uh, and a message from a sponsor. And we are back and ready to talk about 7,500. Um, this movie kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, for me, I didn't know anything about it. It just showed up on Amazon. And um, the premise is when terrorists try to seize control of a Berlin-Paris flight, um, I believe it's Berlin to Paris, uh, a soft-spoken young American co-pilot struggles to save the lives of the passengers and crew while for, forging a surprising connection with one of the hijackers. Um, has a 58 meta score, 6.3 IMDb user score. Um, I picked this because of JGL. I am a jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan most of the time. Um, other actors in the film, Omid, Mamar, Aylan, Tazal, 
Carlo Kitzlinger, uh, Mirth and Musol. Probably messed that one up. Um, Ariel Thupo. And that's pretty much it. Everyone else is going to be uh, off either like in a little security camera or a voice. Um, it's directed by Patrick Volar Volrath and is written by him and Sanad Halabasic. I definitely butchered that. I apologize for the butchering of said names. Um, so this is a, a unique film because most of it takes place in the cockpit of an airplane um, and is heavily uh, reliant on JGL. It is pretty much him the whole time and a few other actors come and go. So in that way, it's similar to like a play. Um, he's, you know, he's working through a, a phone um, that he's talking to the hijackers. Uh, they are separated by a door. Um, this is spoiler free to start, but the movie pretty much jumps right into that. Uh, you know, there's a, about 15 minutes before we are in flight and it doesn't take long once we are in the air for the terrorists to uh, make themselves known. Um, in a pretty harrowing initial sequence, he is the co-pilot, um, and he, the pilot is, uh, I'll say incapacitated to give some leeway there. Again, it's, this is all in the very beginning. This is the setup of the film. Um, and so he finds himself in a position where he has to, um, negotiate, not negotiate so much, but interact with the terrorist and also try to keep the plane, um, you know, going and, it's pretty intense. Um, I I like JGL uh, in most things as I as I mentioned. However, I will say um, he he plays the the role I think a little too stoically at times. Um, like he, I get that he's trying to be calm, but sometimes it felt like he could have given a little more. Um, it's, he's almost a little too robot, which. I've heard complaints about that with him in the past, and it made me kind of start reflecting on some of his other roles. Uh, like in Inception, he's pretty stoic in Inception. Like he has a charming smile here or there. Um, but then like with 500 Days of Summer, I think you really he gets to kind of come out of that shell a little bit. Um, but there are a lot of moments in that movie where he is playing the stoic, you know, depressed guy, and he nails that too. But um, I, I, I really do like him, so I, I always tend to side, but I did feel like Maybe he could have gave a little more um, there, but overall I thought the performances were pretty strong in this film and they have to be because it's just them. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was, it was a pretty solid uh, film. It's short, 90 minutes. And um, it, it's, I feel like you can kind of cut it into the three separate pieces of the acts uh, as they kind of come and go. Um, but I, I mostly enjoyed it. I, I don't have any major complaints. It, it, it meanders a little, like, I think, but there's really, I don't know what else you could do, because I don't think trimming it would have made more sense, like, make it go faster. Um, there was one thing, I thought I'd, I can't find my notes, and, like, I know I took notes, and they're just, like, it's not pulling up on my phone, so I don't know if I accidentally deleted them after I took them, or if, like, my app is busted, but um, what did you think about 7500, Chloe? Um, I know it's the point but I was very stressed out the whole time I was a little mad I kind of wanted to text you <laughs> like I was so stressed out and I wanted to tell you that we can't have a stressful movie for a while um because my anxiety has been off the chain like lately it is just I I can't keep it under control and then I was trying to watch this last night and I was like I can't watch this but I have to watch this and also, I didn't read, like, the synopsis or anything. I just started watching it. I was like, I, mm. I, 
I have to watch it because we're talking about it tomorrow. And you know what I mean? I just like, I don't know. I've been in a weird whatever lately. So I mean, I, I get just that. start playing I get it. That. I, um, I, I don't apologize, uh, because, um, for one, in my, my headspace, uh, a lot of times I have found things like this are really good distractions for me. Um, oh. especially like not, not movies about terrorists, mind you, although that is not what we're currently suffering from. Um, and on a side note, I think this is worth saying before spoilers, um, they, I, I feel like they try to at least make the terrorist people and not just like stereotypes um which is important however they are muslim terrorists and i don't know it doesn't seem insensitive but it, it's still like you know it's a little bit of a, a a stereotype that it has been you know used a lot and since 9-11 i know it's always a, a shaky ground it's, it's a it's a questionable choice to to do that um but uh, you know it, it, it. I think it does a good job of making them that it's about these three people are terrorists, not necessarily like not all Muslims are terrorists. They, I think the film does a, a solid job with that, and um, not explicitly saying it, but I just, I just feel like it. It felt respectful. It didn't feel like they were um, stereotyping or or just you know making these like gross over characterizations. Uh, and I, it's not, I went looking to see if anyone had written anything about it, like from a perspective that's not mine. Um, you know, maybe like if a Muslim critic had, had talked about it, I could not find anyone critiquing that element of it. So that's why I feel comfortable saying that the film does a good job. Cause I feel like if, if someone had been offended by it, I would have found an article. Um, and I didn't. So I think that's, that's a good sign if it's not triggering people to be offended and that's i felt like it was tasteful and i wanted i but again i'm a white guy i wanted someone else who's maybe like i'm a white guy who's not a muslim and that's worthy of note there um so i was looking to see if anyone else had had been offended by it and again i'm sure someone may have been um potentially but no no other person who's written about the film at least that i could find and again i didn't i didn't like scour the internet but from initial cursory searches I, tr I tried a few different things i've read a few just random reviews and it doesn't seem it seems like people's complaints are either with the lack of tension for some which obviously what? was not an issue for yeah that's what i, I was about to say because you were clearly on the on the edge but i think it depends on your investment in what's going on um and because of the uh this in a lot of ways it has a play-like feel because we are on one set um you know, other movies, like if this were a Liam Neeson film, what's the, I think, Takedown or Unknown or Nonstop might be the, the airplane one. Um, or that might be the train one. I don't know. He's done a lot of movies that are very much the same. But, um, you know, we'd be cutting into the body, of the tr into the plane. We'd be going back and forth and we'd be, you know, what's underneath the plane and what's up there and uh, what's going on on the ground. And we don't get any of that. We're just in the cockpit. And so I, I could see someone feeling maybe too isolated and bored rather than feeling the tension for me it, it kind of upped the tension because yes. i felt claustrophobic a, a bit you know that i'm, I'm yeah. stuck in the cockpit this is awful what do you do um and there's a few moments where he's you know he would he would like to leave the cockpit but he has an obligation to keeping the terrorists outside of it so they can't take control of the plane so um you know those things those moments are really heightened and i think he does a good job there what what did you think about his performance I mean, 
I can see what you're saying about being too stoic. Um, but also I feel like they're, I mean, I obviously couldn't be a pilot, but knowing that there are that, I think he said that there were 85 passengers and just knowing that like you have that many lives that you're responsible for, I guess, um, you know, I could see like trying not to lose your, you know, Mm Hmm. Well, I like Shit. I like procedural stuff, like when uh, you see someone doing their job. Um, and I don't know that I've seen a lot of movies with. <clears throat> Sorry, I keep sneezing. Um, uh, where like you see a pilot getting to be a pilot for like that long, man. That's three, folks. Let's see how many I'm gonna get. Um. Oh, no. I, I I probably am going to see six more times. That seems to be my uh, weird trend when something triggers this. Um, mm. I sneeze like nine times. Um, but uh, I don't know. You want to get into spoilers? Yeah. Uh, from here on out, we are going to talk about 7500 on Prime in great detail. You have been warned. All right. So the part where his, his girlfriend, who is the mother of his child, is taken is very stressful. <laughs> what did you think about that, Corey? <laughs> That's five. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I didn't... Okay, so first they've already taken the first flight attendant, and we... I, like, <laughs> I didn't... Bless you. I, I didn't know who it was. And he didn't seem to know either, and it seemed like he was kind of, you know, hoping for the best that it wasn't her. Um, I thought that every time that they took a hostage was very, very, you know. Stressful? Yeah, scary. Um, Yeah. Uh, But I feel like him, like, getting himself back together, she's, like, telling him to take care of their son. I just yeah. felt like it. I don't know. I felt like it was a human response. <laughs> Not for me. I'm overly emotional, everyone. So again, I shouldn't be a pilot. But um, you know, like he's he has somewhere to go, and he still has some one personal that counts on him. And you know, I don't know. Like I, I thought it was interesting. I'm gonna. Jesus. I'll just Sorry. wait and. Until you're all done. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... And I think that, like, this movie just starts right away. And I think that, like, the setup was pretty interesting. Because, you know, they're like, oh, well, we should just leave. Because they have two people who are running late. But their, you know, luggage is on the plane. Well, we should get the luggage off the plane. But here come the passengers. And when one of those guys is taken hostage and I'm just like, I bet you wish, I mean, obviously that you hadn't gotten on that plane and it's just like, you almost missed it. I don't know. Well, I just felt Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, uh, we have the dot is one of the terrorists and, uh, he's played by Omid Mamar and he is the, uh, 
I think the most important part of this movie because he humanizes the terrorist. Um, mm-hmm. Because he is the one, um, he has second thoughts during the, the uh, hijacking. Um, once he sees the murder of the stewardess, his girlfriend, um, it really breaks him. And so he starts having second thoughts and he wants to live. And you get this, like, you see, like, the brainwashing snapping out of him. And it's it, there's a tragic component to the movie because of that. Um, you know, there is this kind of connection that the pilot makes with, uh, what's his, I forget his name, it starts with a T, Toby? Tobias. Tobias. Um, Tobias, which is Jeff Gordon Lovett's character, makes with him. And it's not like a pure connection, but he definitely sees that there's good in him, that he's not, he's acting under influence, not just on his own accord, and tries to reason with him. And I think the movie tackles with that in the third act, because that was, I was a little, like, at an hour, I was like, wait, what's going to happen? How do we have 30 minutes left of the movie? And um, they have to, like, work together to land the plane, and it's because uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's hurt. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was an engaging film. I don't understand why it has a 58 I, like it's not a it's not an amazing movie it's not like revolutionary i think it's a, a very compelling story it's well acted um it's it is suspenseful i can see why maybe you could get bored if you don't like the the one room thing but um for me it worked yeah i felt the same as you did it heightened that for me yeah i i was definitely on edge um i always Jeremy Saulnier broke me with Green Room. I compare every movie to uh, that, and I don't think any movie's ever made me that anxious as, as Green Room did. No. Um, so it, it's not there, but I, I was, like, I felt tense, but I, I wasn't like you where I was, like, miserable. I actually, it helped me engage with the film. I was very much, like, watching this film. I was, I was you know, invested in what was going on. And, uh, yeah, so I liked it. I just think that, like, also, like, him being locked in the cockpit and having to use that camera or, like, that screen to see what's going on behind them because he can't open the door. I think that there were a lot of elements that really just... And then, I mean... At one point we have bodies piling up <laughs> in the cockpit too and it's just like already so small and uh i don't know <laughs> yeah i was really stressed out because he the the terrorist that like stays in the cockpit he knocks out with the fire extinguisher after though the guy stabs the actual pilot like six or seven times in the stomach it's brutal um and they're using like glass with duct tape wrapped around it which is kind of scary um it's really scary because when 9-11 happened, they had box cutters. And so this was, like, a new idea. And I was like, ah, don't give ideas to people. Like, because, um, you know, it's glass. It won't set off a metal detector. So, um, but uh, even when he gets on, like, the PA and is, like, encouraging that they fight back, like, the, the rest of the passengers, like, fight back. They just have glass. Um because he can't leave the cockpit and he's worried about his wife. Like that whole thing was like stressful and, and was reminiscent. Obviously we lived through nine 11. Like, so, you know, it's crazy to think like my, my seniors, for example, were born, you know, like after nine 11. So 
like when I started That's... teaching, uh, right? When I started teaching, everyone was like very aware of nine eleven. Like most of them were like five or six or something when when nine eleven happened. Now they're like, oh, I was born like the year after. And I'm like, holy crap, you know? Because <laughs> in my head, everyone who I know lived through it, but no, most of the people that I know now are my students, and they haven't lived through it. Uh, but for us, like it was it was such a real thing. It was always on the news. Like my roommate at the time did not turn off the news for like six days. Like she was like on the news, like every second was watching the news, watching the news. And like, it got to the point where like, I was overwhelmed. I'm like, well, you got it. Like I could see it in her eyes. Like she was like cracking. Cause it was just, she was obsessing over how scary it was. And, um, so like, you know, seeing like that inside the plane of him, like, Hey, fight back. Cause we know that there was the one flight. I, I'm horrible with names and stuff. So Is I don't know the name of the flight. No. Like, United 90, I feel like they did a movie on that one. I think it's United yeah, 93. United 3, I think you're right. Um, and I have not seen that movie, though, uh, because, sure. again, it, it feels too real. Um, and this, in that way, felt too real just because it was like, oh, man, th is this what it would have been like? It's it's such a scary... And obviously, well, I've seen other movies with hijackings, but <sighs> they're always so... Um, they're so dramatized, or they're so much melodrama, or they, they're so movie. They feel like a movie. This felt real more than it felt like a movie partly because we were stuck in that room with him like we were a fly on the wall and i i think it made it intense i was thinking about that flight obviously um when he was telling them to like rush you know the terrorist and stuff because i mean wasn't that flight 93 they like yeah took the that's plane why over they knew it was gonna crash anyway so yeah i think where they try not to hit the pentagon i can't they were trying not to hit something. Um, but, yeah, I I guess that it did feel a little too real. It, but I, it that's was not a, a good, criticism. No, not a criticism at all. But I think that people should be aware of it before they watch it. Watch it. I mean, most people probably read synopsis and stuff before they press play. But I feel like if you're sensitive to stuff like that, it could be a very... An extremely stressful movie for you, and huh, I don't know. I thought that it was. I thought it was good. It just. I think, um, the part though where he's like on the ground and he's like, I think has he been tied up? No, I don't think he's been tied up at this point. But um, Ahmed is it? No, Verdot. 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 Um, tells him to sit by the dead pilot. I felt like that scene was a little long. Yeah. I kept like cutting to him grabbing because he got a hold of a piece of glass somehow. And Oh, he that they show that early in the film. Um it's the 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 guy he knocks out with the fire extinguisher. His oh. glass falls and he puts it he moves it away from him so if he wakes up he won't have like the glass to grab. Um and he put it on the side and then he like slowly pulled it out when the dot was there. They did a really good job. Like again, this movie pulled me in. I, I this is one of the first films in the last couple of weeks where I was like a hundred percent in, um, just because I was like, what, what are they doing? It, it felt unique, and even I think considering the space, the cinematography is really strong. Like it's such a small space, and I think they do a good job of making it uh, feel like the camera's moving around a little bit. It's not just in one. It's not like it's a single shot just, of the cockpit. Yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah, because the movie starts with silent security footage of men. We don't know the significance yet, but they will ultimately. We're seeing like the terrorist 
getting organized and then um we see a few other things but then it gets into the plane and i i you know i think the character stuff early is it's very it's very brief like it's not super developed characters but we get enough about them to to care you know he has a kid that's yeah that's i mean you have to be a little heartless to like not care about a person who tells you they have a kid at home like right away you're like oh well the, the kid needs their parents and then, like, when you find out that, oh, the stewardess and the, the pilot are both on the same flight, and then a terrorist attack happens, you're like, oh, no, are they both going to make it? Because the kid needs both parents. Like, that's, it's it's a simple, it's a instinctual connection, and, but still. Wasn't it Flight 93, that United 93, that, like... I was thinking about that, too, because he said that, um, like, they try to keep their work life separate or whatever yeah yeah and how scary it is that they're both on the same flight even if it like crashes or something right Um, and i feel like it was united 93 that one of the wives said that she and her husband never even flew together because if anything happened on the plane they would at least have one parent oh man i don't know i'm pretty sure it was united 93 um but if i i'm wrong on that exactly but it just it i felt like it hit man yeah no it's it's a i mean it's a scary it's something since 9-11 i think all of us have been more uh like afraid of anyways um i would just i've been thinking oh yeah go ahead no no just that idea it's 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 such a terrifying and again it's it's thank goodness it's not something that happens a lot but it was something that when it happened it happened so rapidly and so suddenly and then so much damage was done in our lifetime and changed so much. I mean, um, you know, I've, I, I had not been to New York until two years ago, but I went, um, David and I went to the nine 11 museum, uh, and man, just standing there, like the weight of what happened is it's just, you just feel it everywhere. And it, I don't think I've ever had a more emotional experience at, like out of sight anywhere. And um, there are still just people missing from that. Like, you know, that their families don't really know what happened to them. Yes. So I, I, this, that's the, the premise of this film works because of that too. And I, I do, I really do think it treats it respectfully. I don't feel like it, it doesn't feel like some generic action movie and it doesn't feel like they're just, you know, out, outright stereotyping. Again, it is, it's hard to say it's not a stereotype because it is, you have a Muslim terrorist and after nine 11, that was, you know, there was a lot of Muslim backlash in the States, especially even though this is not a United States flight. And that I think is worthy of note, but they did JGL is your main character um, on, you know, the one American character basically. Um, so in that way you could be like, what, what is the American fighting the terrorists? Is that what we're supposed to take? Like, I don't know for sure if there's like deeper interpretations into that, but I, I saw an interview or something with JGL. I was trying to remember where I saw it, but he was talking about why he took this role. Cause it is, um, it's a, it's a very small independent production. Like it's, you know, uh, although I think the, the, like the wind and the clouds and the wind, like in the, 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 the windshield are really, I think look good. And it's like, I, I have a, I don't mind flying, but I do, I, I have a bit of a fear of heights. So like, I tend to not look out the window and stuff. So like it was, it was kind of intense for me, like see like the cloud coverage and like everything. But I thought that part of it looked really good too. Like a, this, I'm sure it was some type of simulator, but it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, is there anything else worth mentioning? 
Well then, I would say uh, I'm going to go uh, decent watch, but leaning towards not quite golden, but decent watch I think is where I feel comfortable. I'm also going with decent watch. Which means not a bad movie. Uh, not not an amazing movie, but again, some good performances, and I think I think it's worth your time. It's it's, it's quick. Um, I I did I felt like it moved mostly quick. There's a couple of moments that lull, but I think overall it's quick. Um, that's it for small screen, and I think that is the last small screen of the year. Even though we will be staying mostly uh, streaming services because there's no theaters anyways. Um, for August, I'm super excited because the theme for August is speaking my language which means the movies we're going to be watching won't be speaking english uh we are going to be watching uh foreign films for the month of august and uh we've got quite a variety of foreign films that i'm excited to list here um we're going to start off with micmacs uh which is a uh jean-pierre genois film um the only one i've never seen uh cory and i are big fans of amelie and delicatessen we both hated alien resurrection um, I don't know how that's the same filmmaker, uh, but uh, Micmacs is one we have not seen, and Corey will, at the end of the month, we're going to be watching The City of Lost Children, which is another one of Jean-Pierre's that she has never seen. I have got, I got a lucky opportunity to see it on a, on a fairly big screen at a uh, local college um, about oh, nice. two years ago. Uh, very, very, I, I'm a big Jean-Pierre Genois fan. Uh, the City of Lost Children definitely fits in um, the same uh, style visually as Amelie and um, Delicatessen. I don't know anything about Micmacs other than it's Jean-Pierre Genois. So we're going to be watching that on Voodoo. Then uh, we're going to be watching Breathless, um, who uh, uh, normally I would have so much information, but I am so stuffed up from sneezing 10 times, not nine, uh, that uh, my brain apparently is not working anymore either. Um, Breathless is one, though, because it is a famous director whose name I cannot think of that also did the seventh sign and um it's one I, I think it's i'm hoping it's the right one um oh no it's a godard film i'm sorry i had the wrong person uh jean-luc godard um now this is interesting though because it stars gene Sie seberg and uh kristen stewart is in a movie about seberg called seberg on amazon prime right now which i've been meaning to get to um, I've heard mixed things about, but uh, it's one I've been very intrigued by. But Breathless is a classic film that I've been meaning to check off my list. Um, so we'll be doing that. And that is on HBO Max. Uh, at least it was. I hope it still is. Um, and then finally, uh, I'm going to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, which is on Hulu and is now on the Criterion Collection. Um, then we're going to be watching Cachet. Uh, a film that had been recommended to me a couple years ago and I've been meaning to get to. I think, I can't remember which interview. I can't remember if that was a Jamie recommendation or if Alejandro recommended it or if Tom recommended it. Somebody we interviewed recommended Cache and I bought it and I just haven't got to it. So we're getting to it this month. And then The City of Lost Children, as I said, will be ending our month of speaking my language. We have five movies, uh, five foreign films coming at you in August. Uh, please... We would love for you to watch them with us and hear your thoughts. So hit us up on social media. You can follow me at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. Oops, say it one more time because I don't know if we got it. Oh, Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And if you like the podcast, we ask that you rate and review us. It helps other people find the show. Um, in the meantime, we hope that you stay safe, wear a mask, and most importantly, 
keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.